0: and I'll be your conference operator today. At this time, I'd like to welcome everyone to the MIG Energy 2020 third quarter results conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press star followed by two. Thank you. Mr. Derek Evans, CEO, you may begin your conference.
1: Thank you, Pam, and good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us to review MEG's Q3 2020 Operating and Financial Results. With me this morning is Eric Taves, our CFO, Chi-Tak Yi, our Chief Operating Officer, and Lyle Uzdefsky, our General Counsel and Corporate Secretary. Just a reminder that this call contains forward-looking information. Please refer to the advisors in our disclosure documents filed on CDAR and on our website. MAG continues to proactively respond to the safety and financial challenges associated with the COVID-19 pandemic. I'd like to take a second to express my sincere appreciation to all our staff for what they've done and what they continue to do to ensure the health and safety of their teammates, as well as the safe and reliable operation of the Christina Lake facility throughout this pandemic period. Highlights in the quarter include Successful completion of the planned 75-day major turnaround, on time and under budget. Continued reduction in non-energy operating costs and GNA expenses. Post-turnaround production exceeding earlier estimates. The addition of 2020 second-half WTI hedges to ensure successful completion of the 2020 capital program without drawing the revolver, and continuing to build the cash on hand at year-end to help fund our 2021 capital program. As we head into year-end, we're increasing annual production guidance, decreasing annual G&A and non-operating guidance, and expect to build free cash flow through the balance of the year with 80% of our fourth quarter WTI sales exposure hedged at approximately $46 US dollars, uh, per barrel. We remain well positioned from a financial liquidity perspective, benefiting not only from our significant 2020 hedge book and the term and structure of its outstanding indebtedness and credit facility, but also from the low decline and low cost of the high quali- cost structure of the high-quality Christina Lake asset. I'd like to touch on some of these financial and operating highlights of the third quarter in great, greater detail. Meg realized an average AWB blend sales price of $34.13 U.S. per barrel during the third quarter of 2020, compared to $15.12 U.S. per barrel in the second quarter of 2020. Meg sold 62% of its sales volumes to the U.S. Gulf Coast in the third quarter of 2020, compared to 35% in the second quarter of 2020. This increase in sales to the U.S. Gulf Coast in the third quarter of 2020 is primarily as a result of the corporation's increased contracted transportation capacity on the Flanagan South and Seaway Pipeline systems, effective July 1st, increasing from 50,000 barrels a day to 100,000 barrels a day. Transportation and storage costs average $10.07 U.S. per barrel of AWB blend sales in the third quarter of 2020, compared to $5.92 per barrel in the second quarter of 2020. The increase in transportation and storage costs is primarily due to the fixed costs associated with the increased Flanagan South Seaway contracted capacity and lower apportionment on the Enbridge mainline. The additional transportation capacity afforded by the higher contracted capacity and lower apportionment was underutilized by MEG during the third quarter due to the planned turnaround. Subject to the actual level of apportionment on the Enbridge mainline system, transportation costs are expected to average between 750 U.S. and 850 U.S. per barrel of AWB blend sales through the remainder of 2020 and 2021. Bitumen production averaged 71,516 barrels per day in the third quarter of 2020, compared to 75,687 barrels in the second quarter. Bitumen production in the third quarter of 2020 was impacted by major planned turnaround activities at, at the phase one and phase two facilities, which began in early June and were completed in mid August 2020. The 2020 turnaround was extended in duration to 75 days, expanded in scope relative to base budget in order to minimize staff levels at site during uh, COVID 19 and maximize utilization of MEG's internal resources, thereby lowering overall cash costs. Meg also made the decision to advance turnaround activities from 2021 to significantly reduce the 2021 turnaround requirements. Turnaround was completed on time and under budget with post turnaround production exceeding guidance. Notwithstanding multi-decade low crude oil prices, Meg generated 85 million of free cash flow in the nine months ended September 30, 2020, and exited the third quarter of 2020 with its credit facility undrawn and $49 million of cash on hand. For the fourth quarter of 2020, MEG has entered into benchmark WTI fixed price hedges for approximately 80% of forecast bitumen production at an average price of 45.76 dollars U.S. per barrel. Based on better-than-expected production performance during the post turnaround, during and post turnaround, Mega is revising upward its full year 2020 average production from 78 to 80,000 barrels a day to 81 to 82,000 barrels a day. GNA expense is now targeted to be in the range of 45 to 47.5 million, or approximately 17.5 million lower than original guidance. Non energy operating costs are now expected to be in the range of 130 to 135 million, or approximately 32.5 million lower than original guidance. Of the 50 million aggregate reduction in expected costs, approximately 22 million are the result of temporary cost reductions, while the remaining 28 million in cost reductions are the result of continued optimization of operations, reduction in staffing levels, and rationalization of ongoing administrative costs. Finally, the consolidation theme has been front and center with a number of transactions announced in the US and the notable transaction announced earlier this week in Canada between Synovus and Husky. The consolidation theme is something that Meg is familiar with, and we manage our business to best ensure that we're on our front foot from a transaction perspective and not vulnerable to market dislocations, disadvantaging Meg shareholders. As it relates to oil price volatility, which has been a stated driver of recent transactions, we maintain a constructive view on WCS volatility go forward, as we are seeing positive progress on both Enbridge's Line 3 expansion expected to be in service in the second half of 2021 and the TMX expansion expected in 2022. We have 20,000 barrels a day of blend capacity on TMX, and as you know, we have 100,000 barrels a day capacity on Flanagan South Seaway. Anecdotally, we see the Alberta government's elimination of curtailment as further evidence of the positive momentum for light heavy differentials and WCS pricing. With respect to the benchmark WTI pricing, MEGA has been relatively successful in protecting cash flow through significant WTI hedges in 2020, allowing for the repayment of $130 million of long-term debt, as well as the building of free cash flow through 2020, we are continuing this hedging discipline as we move into 2021, with approximately 25% of expected sales hedged at around uh, $46 uh, WTI, and we look forward to adding more hedges um, as the opportunities present themselves. Our modified covenant light revolver remains undrawn, is in place until mid. 2024, and our first long-term debt maturity isn't until early 2024, providing us with financial breathing room as we navigate through COVID-related impacts. MEG expects to release its 2021 capital budget in early December. While development of the, the 2021 capital budget remains in progress, it will be designed to be fully funded with internally generated funds. This is consistent with MEG's financial discipline in 2020 where the current year's capital program remains on track to be fully funded with internally generated funds. Finally, we have an industry-leading cost structure, taking G&A down by 35 million since I joined MEG in 2018, and our non ig operating costs remain best in class. Once the Synovus-Husky transaction is complete, Meg will be the only pure-play sag producer of scale, and we will continue to run our business on our front foot in the best interests of all shareholders. With that, I will turn in the call um, back to the operator uh, for, um, for questions.
0: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question? Please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You'll hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question. Your first question comes from Phil Gresh with J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead.
2: Uh, yes, hi, good morning, uh, and thank you for taking my questions. Uh, first question um, was uh, Derek on the last call? You talked about a $250 million uh, sustaining capital number to maintain production in a uh, kind of 80 to 85,000 barrels a day range, I believe. Um, it looks like the fourth quarter number, the implied guidance is is at least at those uh, those types of levels coming out of the turnaround. Uh, so I was just wondering how you think. You know, do you have any adjustments to that thinking as you enter 2021 about what kind of production you can maintain and, and what, kind of, what kind of capital will be required?
1: Um, Phil, um, thanks for the question. Um, you know, as we think about 2021 at this point, um, you know, I, I think we're thinking of a, our capital number in that 200 to $250 million range. Um, you know, it's still being worked by our, our, our technical staff. Um, and uh, so I don't think that's really changed since... Um, we, we would have last uh, talked to the market on that. Um, with respect to what the uh, production number is, I think that um, you know we're still working through, uh, I'd say, some flush production associated with the, um, the turnaround. Our, our production is higher than the 85,000 barrels a day that we projected that it would be. Um coming out of turnaround. So uh, we're not ready yet to comment on what the production profile is going to look like next year.
2: Okay. Okay, fair enough. Um and just any other um you know thoughts on, on um you know costs as you enter 2021, um whether you know it's non-energy opex or, or just the GNA. I know you mentioned that some of those GNA savings were, were temporary, but um yeah, you know, if if we continue to be in a, a challenged um you know pricing environment with you know WCS kind of around around thirty dollars, uh, how you'd manage those costs.
1: You know, I, I, you know, Phil, so um, fundamentally um we manage costs day in, day out, whether we're in a COVID or in a low price or a high price environment. So, I think we've done a reasonably good job pointing out the costs which would be uh, fundamentally non-recurring. And I think on the um, operating side, um, we're pointing to 15 million, and on the G&A side, we're reporting uh, seven. Um, but I don't think people should take away from that that. Um, we're going to be we're, we're not going to continue our ongoing work on continuing to reduce g and operating costs to the the best of our ability each and every day
3: okay thank you
0: thank you your next question comes from Sp- phil Schoolnick with eight capital please go ahead
4: yeah thanks uh when I get two Phils back to back um so any just a couple of questions um first of all um any kind of any update you had talked about I can't remember his last conference call or the prior conference call before that uh potentially looking at using different types of diluents um to reduce your diluent need going through the access pipeline um well, phil
1: uh I was gonna say phil too, but that uh <laughs> Probably appropriate. Uh, I, thanks for the question. Uh, what we've been talking about is a proprietary process that would uh, we had uh, hoped to have uh, up and running in a significant way that uh, uh, there was some new technology that we bolted into um, Christina Lake that um, had significant potential to reduce our, our diluent requirements um, on, on a go-forward basis. Uh, That equipment is um, being commissioned as we speak, um, and we hope uh, that uh, over the next couple of months, we're going to start to see whether the bench-scale testing that was done that uh, showed a significant reduction um, in the requirement of of diluent to meet pipeline viscosity um, actually is is borne out in the field.
4: Is this something that you're working uh, in conjunction with um, CNRL? Um, no,
1: we're working with the uh, company that has put this uh,
4: technology forward. Okay. And then just the final question, just on the, uh, during the turnaround, because it was 75 days, I mean, it was because of, um, trying to manage around the COVID risk, but given that you did have that extra time, did you, was there anything that you discovered, maybe any more deep bottleneck opportunities or anything like that? Um I don't think uh
1: there was anything that uh came out of that uh in, in terms of debottlenecking activities. I think uh you know we were generally pleased with the state um and the you know, the condition of the equipment that we uh that we saw as we got in and we looked at those things. But um nothing from uh debottlenecking process and, and you know I should basically say you know debottlenecking is an ongoing sort of exercise um with with our facility so um i guess i would have been surprised if anything unusual had come up um in the process as it's a fairly continuous exercise that goes on through um on a day-to-day basis thanks that's it
4: for me
1: hey uh phil just before you go uh yeah. I, I i think what you may have been referring to was our butane blending uh operation yeah with with cnrl yeah. Um, so, um, that butane blending uh, project is moving forward, um, and we expect to have it in, um, up and operating um, sometime in the, in, the, in the new year.
4: Okay, perfect. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have any questions, please press star one. Your next question comes from Neil Metha with Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead.
5: Good morning. We know it's early out there in, in Calgary, so thanks for taking the time, guys. They, the, the, the first question uh, I had was just around WTI even as you think about 30, uh, 2021. Where do you see that, uh, Derek, uh, uh, on, a, on a U.S. dollar basis to cover uh, growth in uh, sustaining CapEx next year?
1: Uh, Neil, great question. Um, And uh, don't worry about us getting up early. We're used to uh, that. uh, uh, The uh, the break even for uh, uh, you know from a WTI perspective is typically I'm going to say in that mid 40s uh, type range, and that's with what I would call a fairly conventional um, sort of WTI WCS differential um you know as you've heard on the call um we are um we believe that the WTI WCS differential is is actually in the process of shrinking as more pipeline capacity becomes available and we're very encouraged uh, about the the movement that we've seen in, in in that regard and what that does for the long-term prospects um for somebody like ourselves which is a pure play um you know WCS player so um uh, it's in that forty-five dollar range,
5: and that's at the two hundred to two hundred fifty million of capex. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then, if I get two questions, uh, and maybe you can comment on both quickly, uh, uh, because I think you know your comments on M and A were intriguing. Certainly, it's been a big focus here in North America over the last week. Um, just, what role do you see Meg playing in consolidation over time? And then the other is, I'd just love you to flush out your thoughts on WCS a little bit more here. It sounds like you've got a more constructive view. Um, There are some who think that light heavy will widen out because uh, of uh, incremental barrels coming out of the market uh, in in Canada. So your perspective on uh, both of those would be awesome.
1: So um, uh, just um, on consolidation, uh, you know, we don't see ourselves being a... Um, uh, you know, a, a driver in the in the consolidation business. We're just going to continue to operate our business, focus on reducing our our off costs, our, our G&A costs, and being sort of the premier low cost uh, pure play WCS uh, producer with a 60 year reserve life. So, um, um, I'm I'm sorry, I can't tell you anything more exciting than we're going to just continue doing what we've been doing for. Um, you know the, the last 10 years um, and um, on the uh this the second part which was really uh you know or um, we appear to be or sound to be more constructive uh than others may be in terms of the WCS wti differential. um uh we would point to the fact that storage levels in uh the province uh you know in alberta are at uh some of the lowest that we've seen historically Um, We've seen um, continued small improvements on both the Enbridge system and on the Keystone system. We've got the Northwest upgrader actually running and processing heavy. Um, You know, all three of those add somewhere in the neighborhood of 150,000 barrels a day of incremental demand. Uh, We're seeing unprecedented levels of interest in our heavy crude in the U.S. Gulf Coast. Not only for U.S. Gulf Coast refineries, but um, you know, and in the Caribbean as well, um, as um, obviously you saw the um, Reliance deal um, um, and that uh, product moving to um, um, to India. So I, we think there's been a step rate change um, um, even before you start to consider the Enbridge Line Three um a project which uh you know replacement and expansion which should come on in uh mid 2021 and you know it, it's surprising to us but people continue to still think that tmx isn't going to get built even though there's uh numerous pipeline spreads out with pipe going in the ground and you know uh as we pointed out here again today um i think people have forgotten that we have 20,000 barrels a day of uh, of long-haul capacity so um uh you know, I, I think directionally um we're we're back in a position where um pipeline capacity, egress capability is not going to be as big a problem as it has been in the past. That should be reflected um in the in the deferentials and that really is our, our thesis on why we believe um uh you know there there has been a step rate change and it, that's very positive for our business, obviously. Thanks there.
0: Your next question comes from Greg Parody with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
6: Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks. Good morning. So, Derek, a couple things. Um, the 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 capex range you're mentioning here of of 200 to 250, and I think the the last number I recall you guys talking about was more like 250. But again, if it's if it's equipped to to deal with all the sustaining initiatives, have you found additional ways to um, to essentially reduce your sustaining costs is that embedded in that or or is the number just not really too too worked at this stage
1: the number is a fluid number um and you know when i talk about 200 to 250 i'm also talking uh you know we there are any capital program uh is going to be cash based um so um you know if for whatever reason, if we see crude drop to, you know, um, a, a lower level than sort of that $45 uh, level that we would hope that it could average, um, you know, we're going to have to pull back on our capital. Um, and, you know, so I, I probably didn't explain that well in terms of that that range is really um, predicated on uh, uh, cash being available. But, you uh, you know, to fully sustain production next year, we need uh, approximately 250 million dollars.
6: Okay. Okay. No. Thanks for clarifying that. And you know, I think aside from being the only pure player, or will become the only pure play oil sands um, producer, you guys are also quite advanced when it comes to uh, to solvents. Could you maybe just remind us, or just bring us up to up to date as to how the EM Apex program is working and Perhaps what you've seen in terms of reduced SORs and so on.
1: I'm going to ask uh, Chitaki, to uh, our, our chief operating officer, and really our um, the uh, uh, the primary or the principal behind this this whole project to provide that update. Okay.
3: Uh, Derek. Good morning, Greg. Hey, um, good morning. Yeah. So as you know, we have these um, EM Apex pilots have been on close to three years now, and, and just to remind everybody that's the one that we use uh, propane instead of, of steam uh, into the reservoir to reduce the, the viscosity of the oil so that uh, it can produce at a lower energy intensity. Um, the, the process is actually working quite well. We, um, we actually subdivide the pilot into two pilots so that we can test different aspects of the, uh, the process. So far, we're seeing a a very good uh, reduction in steam oil ratio. Um, In fact, um, in some cases, we're trending essentially zero. Injection is just pure solvent without without any steam injection at all. Um, So, that from a steam oil ratio point of view, it pulls out quite well. Um, What we need a bit more time is to understand more on the uh, bitumen recovery end of it. As you know, the well life of these, these wells is typically 10 plus years, and so we are relatively early into the understanding the, the bitumen recovery aspect of it. And also another uh, very important economic driver is the uh, solvent recovery. You know how much solvent you you uh, recover from the process, and and that one by and large it checks out quite well. We're having a very good recovery of the of the solvent. Uh, from the reservoir. So, like I said, the remaining uh, point here now is to try to figure out what happens to the to the uh recovery itself. And that's where we are today.
6: Okay. Uh, and then, so you, you mentioned you've broken the pilot into two, you know, segregated into two pieces. Are you seeing similar results from both? Like, what's the difference between the two?
3: The the first pilot was was involved the Segi welper that turned on earlier, so it has more advanced in its um, in his, uh, uh, safety process before we implement the uh, the solvent, and and then the also the later pilot um, involved as you recall we actually built a solvent recovery facility for the bigger pilot so that we can reduce the overall cost of the pilot by recycling as much solvent as possible. So the the second pilot um, has a more uh, uh, complete test of the whole package um, it, that includes a almost a simultaneous uh, injection of of um, solvent at the same time for, on all the wells, as well as testing the um, recycle aspect of it from from a surface facility point of view.
6: Okay, last two for me because I'll we'll move on. But can you what what um... Industry averages, I think, in terms of recovery rates, are you know mid to high 50s, I believe. But can you can you maybe confirm or deny or you know indicate whether that's a good range or not for the industry and and where where would you guys be stacking up?
3: I imagine you're referring to solvent recovery, is that your question?
6: Uh, no, it was more on the recycling. The recycling I thought was was actually lower than what people were targeting, but.
3: Yeah, so, so there are two there there are three recoveries. There's a bitumen recovery we already talked about. And there's a solvent recovery from the reservoir. And then there's a third one is once you recover the solvent from the reservoir, how much of that you can actually recycle and put back to the reservoir. Okay. Okay so, so from a from a reservoir from the recovery of solvent from a reservoir point of view, um, we're doing quite well. Um I, I can't give you a very specific number but it's north of seventy percent. Um, so which means you inject a, a barrel of solvent into the reservoir, you get at least 70% of that back. And then the other aspect is once we get this solvent back, because we got contaminants in it, you know, methane and other, and other um, molecules in it, so um, the, the recovery efficiency of that is close to about 90%. Does that, does that answer your question? Did we lose
0: lose him? Uh, Yeah. It looks like he's no longer in the queue, so I believe you must have answered his question.
2: All
3: right. um.
0: Okay. And Mr. Evans, there are no further questions at this time. You may proceed.
1: Well, listen, um, uh, thank you all to uh, everybody that joined the call this morning. It was an early morning. Um, Appreciate your interest, and uh, please don't hesitate to follow up uh, with um, either Eric or myself um, uh, with any further questions you might have with respect to the specifics of the quarter. Thank you for your time today.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's Investor Relations section on their website. See you next time.